Donald Trump is still coming off of an excellent debate performance, although many polls say he didn't win. There are a lot of people saying he did a really, really great job. He was controlled. Undecided voters in some polls said he was controlled and Biden was vague. All in all, I think it was a really great night for the president, notably when Joe Biden said that he wanted to transition off of fossil fuels. Yes. When asked if he would shut down the oil industry. That, to me, was a death blow to his campaign. I would be surprised if he wins at this point. But anyway, I digress. Coming off of all of that from last night and this booming press, Donald Trump has announced another historic peace agreement in North Africa and the Middle East, this time Sudan and Israel. Now, most of you know, if you follow my content, I, uh, my, my, my videos, I feel that foreign policy is extremely important. I want peace, not war. Under the Obama years, we got more war and they handed off these conflicts and this and these crises to Donald Trump. And under Trump, I can now say in the past couple of years, he has done a tremendous job of bringing about peace agreements. Of course, the cynical press views these peace agreements as just cynical and transactional. And I personally take offense to that because, listen, I don't care how you get it done. Donald Trump is getting it done. Many of these countries said they would never recognize Israel. And now Sudan is on board and Trump has announced five more countries want to get on board with normalizing relations with Israel. I'm just going to say it at this pace. If Trump gets another four years, heaven help us, we might actually see peace in the Middle East. That for me is, is, is an excellent reason to support Donald Trump. And if we look back at the Obama years, it's a really great reason not to support Joe Biden. Peace in the Middle East is something we should all be excited about. Now, world peace, that would be fantastic. But listen, if you don't care about foreign policy, this means that we can start to work to free up resources that normally we spend overseas back here at home. So now we can start doing things like, I don't know, fixing Flint's pipes, which desperately need to be fixed because people are getting sick. We got a lot of money we, we, we waste overseas. We shouldn't be the world police. Perhaps we should be the world mediator, the world diplomat, and do what Donald Trump has done with now, I think is what, fourth historic peace agreement just after this debate and only about a week and a half before election day with 50 million or so votes already cast. I hope people recognize why this is so important. And I'm going to tell you what scares me about Joe Biden. An article from 2017. Biden was the vice president under Obama. They gave us more war. This is one of the most important issues for me. Let's read the story. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do is share this video. Seriously, history is being made right now. It's incredible. In a generation or two or generations, people will look back on history and say this was the day these were the days. This was the period. Although we were facing great political strife, we had a leader who was working towards peace agreements. I hope they stand. That's why it's important people know about this. It also helps support my channel. So don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And maybe this is important information people should know about just before the election. Why should you support Donald Trump for all his faults? I will take peace in the Middle East, please. And, and, and Biden will not deliver that. Let's read the story from Vox.com. The U.S. just brokered another peace deal for Israel, this time with Sudan. At its core, it looks like the deal is really a trade where the U.S. gives Sudan financial help 
in exchange for recognizing Israel. Well, it sounds like if that's the case, if that's all it is, then U.S. foreign policy worked, at least in terms of sanctions. Hey, you don't want peace? Well, then we're going to put sanctions on you. We're going to restrict trade. And then finally, they said, OK, OK, we relent. We want peace. And th- then it worked. It's a good thing. Let's be positive about it. Vox says President Donald Trump announced Friday that Sudan has become the third country to normalize relations with Israel during the Trump administration, underscoring how the president's diplomatic efforts in the Middle East may prove to be the most significant foreign policy achievement of his first term. I mean, in my opinion, the most significant achievement. I know the economy was really, really great, but I think we need world peace. I really do. Look, it's really great when the American people do well. You know, secure your own oxygen mask before securing the mask of those next to you. But I think we want this planet to succeed. And we can do that by being strong and well, well off. It gives us the opportunity by protecting America and its interests, its, it, the working class, our jobs. It gives us the ability to make these negotiations. Trump, along with leaders of Israel and Sudan, proclaimed a new agreement during a Friday call. Quote, the state of Israel and the Republic of Sudan have agreed to make peace, Trump told reporters in the Oval Office. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu praised Trump on the phone for the outcome, saying, we are expanding the circle of peace so rapidly with your leadership, Trump responded. There are many, many more coming. <laughs> if, if Saudi Arabia gets on board, vo- vo- I'm, I'm sorry, if, if they get on board with this, talk about wow. A statement by the nation's three leaders released by the White House provided more details. The leaders agreed to the normalization of relations between Sudan and Israel. And to the end of, uh, of the state of belligerence between their nations, it reads, in return, the United States will take steps to restore Sudan's sovereign immunity and to engage its international partners to reduce Sudan's debt burdens. Furthermore, the United States and Israel also committed to working with their partners to support the people of Sudan in strengthening their democracy, improving food security, countering terrorism and extremism, and tapping into their economic potential. At its core, then the deal looks like a trade where the U.S. and Israel give Sudan financial support in exchange for diplomatic normalization. Hey, I'll take it. That's the point, right? We do a trade deal with you. We stop fighting. We all make money. We do better. Listen, people in Sudan need food, right? Well, let's get them the food they need. And in exchange, we ask that you stop the aggression, that we stop fighting. That's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, at least I'd think so. We have a joint statement from the United States, the Republic of Sudan, and the state of Israel. President Donald J. Trump, Sudanese chairman of Sovereignty Council, Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, Sudanese Prime Minister Abdallah Hamdok, and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spoke today to discuss Sudan's historic progress towards democracy and opportunities to advance peace in the region. The historic, uh, I'm skipping through the, the article, uh, the, the letter, I'll just read the end. This, this historic agreement is a testament to the bold and visionary approach of the four leaders, Prime Minister Netanyahu, Chairman al-Burhan, and Prime Minister Hamdok expressed their appreciation for Donald, for President Trump for his pragmatic and unique approach to ending old conflicts and building a future of peace and opportunity for all people of the region. I, I am impressed. I am, I am ecstatic. I lived through the Bush years, the Obama years. Trump has really, really done a good job on this. My, my uh, utmost respect to the president for the efforts he's taken with, with North Korea. With, with many other, uh, with, with, with many countries, especially here in these peace agreements. Listen, they want to call Donald Trump a fascist. Okay. But uh, a president that is more concerned about his own people 
and is bringing about peace in other regions seems to be the opposite of what we got from the fascists of of old. Back in World War II, these people were were all about conquest and taking. Donald Trump is bringing peace and offering food security and counter terror. I'm very, very happy about this. This is some of the biggest. You know what, man? Look, Trump has Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, now Sudan, and he has the Kosovo Serbia deal. This is absolutely incredible. The announcement follows Trump administration brokered deals between Israel and the UAE in August and Bahrain last month. Before before that, the last peace deal Israel struck with an Arab country was with Jordan in 1994 and, and then Egypt in 1979. But the deal with Sudan is argu- arguably more significant. The UAE and Bahrain weren't at war with Israel when they signed their agreements. Sudan and Israel were. That means while the first two packs were normalization deals, this one with Sudan could potentially be described more accurately as a peace deal. I am so overwhelmed with uh, um, with hope and joy, and uh, I want to see more of this. If, if, if I'll tell you this, call it cynical, call it whatever you want. If Trump is this mustache twirling villain in his office saying, ah, I know how we'll get the American people to vote for me. I'll bring about peace in the Middle East. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, 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 geez, Trump, you've convinced me to vote for you. I don't view it cynical. Maybe Trump waited to the last minute these past few months to sign off on these deals. Don't care. I'm glad it's fresh in everyone's memory. This is important. I grew up in an era of military excursions in foreign countries, wastes of money, civilian deaths, drone bombs, our troops being overseas, something I don't think we should be doing or ever should have done. And it was the media, the the mainstream media manipulating people and lying that got us into these wars. You ever wonder why it is I talk about foreign policy? And why it is I don't like the mainstream media. Yet perhaps I've got a chip on my shoulder about what they did for the past 20 years and the people who have lost their lives. And now it seems like under Trump, it is starting to come into focus some kind of peace. I feel like that's it. I can go and and rest easy if we finally solve these problems. War is complicated. It's difficult. People fight for resources. People are scared. It is difficult to pull off something like this, but this is amazing. Ambassador Ram Dermer says, from three no's to three yeses. In 1967, the Arab world infamously declared in Sudan's capital, no recognition, no negotiation, and no peace with Israel. Today, Sudan joins the UAE and Bahrain as the third Arab country to make peace with Israel in 2020, but this literally ended a state of war. Bravo, good sir, to Donald Trump. Seriously, bravo. And we have this tweet from Breaking 911. President Trump has just announced that at least five additional countries want to join in a peace deal with Israel and says Saudi Arabia is one of them, says there will be a big signing event at the White House. Bring it on. Bring in Saudi Arabia into the White House. Have these countries stand together and shake hands. I will give you a standing ovation, good sir. And I will walk into that polling place with a smile on my face. I have said that there are many reasons why I will unhappily be voting for Donald Trump. And it's not cut and dry. It's not one thing. I'm unhappy about Trump's character. But last night at the debate, he was way better. He was controlled. I respect that. He called out Joe Biden. You got some ethics bickering, all that stuff. Trump has character defects and attitude problems. But I'll tell you this. I don't care about that. I can criticize Trump. You want to tell me that Trump's enriching his family, all these other corrupt things? I go like, well, you know, listen. We got Crooked Joe 
his family, these emails being released, and you got and you got Donald Trump. You tell me they're both corrupt. Okay, I don't know. Fine, whatever. Which one signed historic peace agreements? Which one is bringing our troops back? January 18th, 2017, from NPR, after eight years of unbroken war, Obama hands conflicts over to Trump. That's right. Donald Trump, just now completing his first term, is ending decades of unbroken war. We did not get that from Biden. We got the opposite. He passed the buck to Trump. And I believe, in my opinion, that that Joe Biden, that Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton wanted this conflict. They want they want the chaos of the Middle East as justification for their incursions to gain power. The Qatar Turkey pipeline. They wanted to get natural gas into Europe. I can understand that. It's not evil. I mean, maybe some people are trying to make money off it. Maybe some people put their, you know, uh, their son got positioned on a board of an energy company in Ukraine. Gazprom, Russian natural gas. The U.S. was interested in getting natural gas into Europe to offset the Russian monopoly. It resulted partly, it's a contributing factor in the chaos that ensued in the Middle East. I believe if we put Biden back in that office, he will destabilize the region on purpose to use it as justification for why the U.S. needs to be there. There are serious concerns. And I've talked to some respectable people. I believe it was Sean Parnell, Republican, pro-Trump, who said that if we were to leave, get all our troops out of, say, Afghanistan, it could create the power vacuum that resulted in ISIS. So we need to have some kind of presence there, but we can do it with a lot less. Respectable. Uh, It's a middle of the road approach. I mean, I don't want to enter. I don't want to jump onto any extremes. I like that Trump is pulling our troops out. And perhaps we need some kind of minimal presence that just Make sure ISIS doesn't come back or something or or something like that. I can respect that. I can respect compromise and negotiation. You tell me we can't. Okay, what can we do? Because we have to be leaving these things behind. 20 years, 19, 19 years we've been through this. Eight years under Obama. I am terrified of what happens if Joe Biden gets elected. And I'm worried he may. You know, after all of this, after after now, what, four historic peace agreements, I, admittedly, look, the Kosovo Serbia thing is not about uh, the Middle East and Israel, but it is still very significant. After all this, Trump's a- approval on foreign policy is still underwater. I just I know he's not perfect. I know there are things I've complained about missiles, what Tomahawk missiles, 59 Tomahawk missiles in Syria. Come on. The media praised him. Is this Trump being presidential? And people are upset with it. Harvard Harris, the most uh, one of the most recent, actually, has Trump doing really well. He's up four points. Then we can see Gallup has Trump down seven. We can see GU politics battleground from back in August has Trump at minus 15. Maybe Trump has improved dramatically because of these peace agreements. I believe this is qualifying for a reelection. Listen, this is the story. NPR is telling you that unbroken war under Obama, they just passed it off to Trump. And maybe that's what they're really mad about. Maybe that's why they're so desperate to stop Trump. Maybe that's why the media is so desperate to stop Trump. Who got us into these wars? Why it was the mainstream media warning us of weapons of mass destruction. 
I remember that famous line. What was it? George W. Bush eating a sandwich. And Dick Cheney said, if there was a 1% chance that that food was, was bad, it would make you sick. Would you eat it? And then they that line in that movie or whatever where, you know, I think it was Josh Brolin playing W. He's like, oh, come on. And he won't eat the sandwich anymore. It's horrifying logic. If there was a 1% chance that you would go into a country wrong, if there was a 99% chance you would wrongly invade a sovereign nation resulting in the death of hundreds of thousands, would you do it? No. That was their justification. The media with their lies, with the weapons of mass destruction that weren't there. And we got to live through that. And Trump gets to end it. I will not send Joe Biden back into that office to make it all worse again. Last night, Joe Biden compared Kim Jong-un to Adolf Hitler, assuring that if he gets into office, our relationship with North Korea is already in the gutter. They attack Donald Trump because he is trying to bring about peace. I will not accept that. When Donald Trump crossed the demilitarized zone into North Korea, standing ovation. They try to downplay it. He's ponying up to dictators. Shut your mouth. Trump crossed into a host into hostile territory with no security. I am I am shocked, inspired and hopeful that we can do more of this. North Korea has serious problems, but the relate but but solving these problems start starts with compromise and good faith. So, of course, Donald Trump is going to say nice things about Kim Jong-un. He is trying to end a decades long conflict. I'm hoping I know. I, you know what? Look, I, I, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm thinking about I'm, I, I always want to do my biggest segment for 4 p.m. How many how much do people really care about foreign policy? Admittedly, most people, not so much. I do. I care about it a whole lot. I want to see our troops come home. I know it is, it, is a, it is a big issue for sure. It is a very big issue. But the economy is number one. I want to see our troops come home. I want to see our money be spent fixing the problems in Flint, Michigan. I'm tired of hearing excuses. We can rebuild our infrastructure. We can do right by the American people who need our help. We can reopen our schools. We can build roads and schools in our own country, not other countries. That is in alignment with those who are nationalists. Now, I'm not a staunch nationalist. I just don't like the fact that we are wasting time, energy, money, and people are dying. I don't like the wars. And you know what? When I see Trump supporters say, we need to fix our roads, fix our schools, bring back our jobs, say, hey, I got an idea. I want to end these wars and bring about peace, right? You want to rebuild schools. What if I found you money? We bring our troops back. You see what I mean? I know it's not the biggest issue. And I kind of feel like this is not going to get the most views. Uh, I could have done something on the debate. I could have said, oh, oh, Joe Biden is, is so dumb. Well, admittedly, I'm very critical of Biden in the segment. But I wanted to talk about what I view as one of the most important things. Look, I watched the debate last night and I'm laughing. I'm having a good time. And, you know, because I'm seeing Trump say these things that I think are important. Critical race theory is nightmarish. The economy was doing really, really well under Trump. But this gives me an entirely different feeling of of of, of hope. It's 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 like a, a, a new day rising. Here's what I hope. I hope that Donald Trump with his approval rating higher than it was uh, than his first year. It's, it's above average with Trump's favorability higher than higher than it was when he first got elected. I hope that people uh, uh, who view uh, Trump's job on the uh, on the economy they overwhelmingly approve of it by, well, it's, it's, it's plus three. I hope these people vote for Donald Trump 
so that he can continue his foreign policy policy path. Maybe you don't care about this. And I'm not saying you have to. But by all means, we all have our issues. Like we all have the issues that we, we are, we're very concerned about. Maybe you're someone who looks at this and says, I, I, I get it, Tim. It's really, really cool. I just think bringing our jobs back is more important. I hear you. Well, Donald Trump's got you right there. The economy. I hope people look at the economy and they say, I'm going to vote for Trump because then that means those who care about foreign policy get these peace agreements. It's amazing to see people like Chris Hayes and the Democrats desperately try to smear Trump over this. They're like, oh, it's nothing. It's it's just a transactional deal. He's just giving them money. Dude, if I if I saw two guys fighting and it was bad and it was going on for a long time and I said, bro, 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 if I give each of you 10 bucks, will you stop fighting? And they were like, okay, I, <laughs> all right, great. Here's the 10 bucks. Stop fighting. Now, granted, I don't know what Sudan is going to be getting in terms of the max, like the, the total financial compensation, but the U.S. is taking them off of a state-sponsored terror list. It's going to allow them to get foreign aid. It's going to allow them to do to more trade. And the U.S. is going to help people in this country who need help. And that's a good thing. Now, for me, for the most part, I'm not the most in favor of, you know, the U.S. giving tons of money to foreign countries and aid and all that stuff. It's, it's okay. I kind of like it. I think what we should do is teach people to fish and provide them fishing poles. It's not so much just teach them to fish and walk away. It's not so much give them fish. It's no, 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 teach them to fish, give them supplies to do it. If we can help a nation like Sudan and it brings about more peace and the dominoes keep falling, we are on a track to serious world peace. It's funny to me when I hear about these people who are the, the you know globalists or whatever, the international corporations, they thrive on war. I don't think they want to bring about some kind of unifying world government. They want people to be fighting each other so that they can be the ones who, 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 who you know, you run to when you're scared. Well, Donald Trump is saying this. We're going to do right by America. I say, OK. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I'm like, I, I'm very much in favor of international peace agreements and, and working on strengthening relations and normalizing ties with many countries. I think most people are. But I'm not like a hardcore nationalist. I'm not like this, you know, America first woo kind of person. But I think war is bad. And I think we've got a real path here. Unfortunately for us, 538 still says that Donald Trump is on track for a stunning defeat. And it's kind of shocking to me that we can spend decades overseas in these in these wars that are wholly unpopular, a waste of our money. And Donald Trump is doing these agreements and they still say Biden is winning. But Biden and Obama got us entangled in Libya and Syria. Drone strikes in Yemen. I know Trump isn't perfect in his first years, but this is a dramatic improvement, a reversal. He fired John Bolton. Shouldn't have hired that guy in the first place. I see good things ahead. And this worries me. I'm going out. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go make sure I, do, uh, I vote. Uh, I'm going to be voting very, very soon. And I'm going to be voting for Donald Trump. And I'll tell you this, man. The riots kind of flipped me. And I was like, OK, look, he's the only one talking about solving these problems. The Democrats aren't doing it. And that was a big reason why I said, finally, I'm going to I'm going to vote for him, because earlier I said, I want to see Tulsi Gabbard on like a, a security advisor position. And there are many conservatives who said the same thing. I think it was the American Conservative magazine that said, fire Bolton, hire Tulsi, because she's not going to be advising you on progressive on, on economic policy, on on conflict and crisis in the Middle East. And conservatives don't want war either. In fact, I think the left doesn't I, they're almost pro war at this point. I want to see. Trump win. I'm going to go vote for Trump. The riots were one thing. But then he said he's going to withdraw his troops. And I said, hey, oh, oh, what's this? 
And it was the Democrats and Republicans alike that voted against him. Three Democrats and eight Republicans stood with the president. So uh, Tulsi Gabbard, I believe, was one. Ro Khanna was another. I don't remember the other Democrat, but my my utmost respect to them. And then on the Republican side, I think it was like Thomas Massey, Matt Gates, and, and a few others. I can't remember their names either, but my utmost respect to these individuals. We have we have two parties. We have Democrats and Republicans. They don't care about what the American people actually want. I know that the, the progressive left, we have our disagreements. I am not a fan of the Green New Deal and all that stuff. I mean, the initial idea of investing in green technology, I was, but whatever they're proposing is, is, is ridiculous. I hope that we can at least come together on saying, how about we fight amongst ourselves, like verbally, not physically, and then we stop fighting physically over there. I think the progressives can all get on board with that, right? Maybe that's the place with which progressives and, and conservatives come together and say, F you to the establishment. Unfortunately, I think the media is doing everything in its power to make sure that Trump can't win. And that's sad to me. That's very, very sad. But they want war. They want the war. They want the conflict. They want the crisis. They thrive on it. If it bleeds, it leads. Oh, no. If we take away the war, what will they cover? To be fair, they've been covering Trump. But it's because Trump is enacting these peace agreements. It's really bad news for them, right? So they'll smear them all day and night to make up their money where they can. Under Obama, they got glorious, a glorious eight years of covering the bleed. I'm not interested. I've been on the ground for many of those conflicts. I witnessed some of those. I, 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 I don't want to see more of it. I want to see people chilling, sipping on a coconut or something, hanging out, giving a handshake. I want to see people don't like each other, argue verbally, and then walk away and say, well, we'll have to figure this argument out sometime. I don't want to see violence, death, murder. But I think I know who does. The establishment does. They use these conflicts as an excuse. Oh, no. Oh, there's, there's war in the Middle East. Oh, we're going to have to send in more troops. I love it when Trump just came out and said, we got our troops guarding the oil in Syria. It's great. Because when he tried to pull the troops out, they criticized him for it. Okay. I think at the very least, we're on a good track with Trump. Let's hope we, we, we remain on that track. You want to talk to me? Let me, let me tell you one last tidbit. For all the people who want to say, but Tim, what about all the social issues and the problems in this country? You know what? I'm not an America first person. I'm not. America, whatever it is you get under Trump is what this country uh, deserves. Absolutely. We deserve Donald Trump. We do. We deserve him. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm saying that we've done a lot of things in this country that have been good and that have been bad. A lot of people are sick and tired of being sold out to foreign interests. They said Donald Trump. And whatever Donald Trump brings us, it's because of what this country has done. And many people are happy. Many say we, we do deserve Donald Trump, a hero who will save us. Many others say we don't deserve Donald Trump. He's destroying everything. And others say we do deserve Donald Trump because we're a nasty place. I think we're a great place. But I think our, our decades of war have been a very, very bad thing. And as far as I'm concerned, if you see that there are bad things happening in this country under Trump, and not everything's been perfect, I say, I'm sorry. For decades, civilians have died. Our soldiers, our brothers and sisters who go out there, who, whose, whose only intention was to protect us, are also dying and being injured. And they're not getting the appropriate treatment they need when they come back. I think we solve that problem. First, I would gladly... I would gladly sacrifice myself, like I, I mean, like personal belongings and comfort, if it meant we were doing right by those we had wronged with these awful wars. So I look at what's happening in the U.S. and I say, you can come to me with all your arguments and all of your complaints. And I'm going to say, I hear you, 
But Trump is bringing our troops back and he's bringing about peace in the Middle East. So that's a bigger argument as far as I'm concerned. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. Last night, Donald Trump flattened Joe Biden. He obliterated that man on the stage in oh so many ways. I'm just going to go right to it. Donald Trump asked Joe Biden if you would end the oil industry. And Joe Biden said we would transition from oil. Yes. I can't believe it. And then Kristen Welker, the moderator, says, why would you do that? It almost sounded like she was saying, why would you do that? Not in reference to ending the oil industry, but why would you publicly announce you're going to end the oil industry? You're going to lose Pennsylvania and Texas and Oklahoma and all of these states. Yep. Joe Biden said it. And he's, and, and it seemed like his stuttered response, he knew he stepped in it. He had been trying to deny all, all, all his, for, for the past weeks. I, I never wanted to ban fracking. Oh, well, Trump put together a video. Joe Biden said it over and over and over again. I got to tell you, last night, Joe Biden, he got he got knocked down by Trump. Trump, he, he improved his performance. He, he hit many of his cues on target. It wasn't a perfect performance. Trump did get carried away sometimes talking over Kristen Wel- uh, Welker. Uh, my props to the moderator, too. She did a really, really good job. But I'll tell you this, man, muting Trump's microphone it happened a couple times because it was on, I, I believe it was on a timer, like it would automatically go out. And then they immediately, you know, re- reactivated his mic. It helped Trump. The threat of shutting off someone's mic helped Donald Trump because Joe Biden can't talk for long periods of time. And there were a few instances where Joe Biden was spiraling out of control and he desperately needed someone to come in and shut it down. But it wasn't there for him. It wasn't. You see, in the first debate, Trump kept butting in. So Joe Biden would get his would get his free out. He'd, he'd start going, I would, you know, and, that, and then Trump would jump in and then Biden would shut up. Last night, there were several several periods. I tweeted it where I'm like, man, Biden is falling apart. He could not go a full two minutes. His answer on North Korea was just an incoherent garbled mess. I didn't even know what he was saying. I mean, that, that was a lot of what he was trying to respond to. I tell you this, man, Joe Biden said yes when asked if he would end the oil industry. Now, of course, the media is swooping in to try and save Joe Biden. And the polls that are coming out say Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump in the debate. I don't know what debate you were watching. I'll tell you this. Maybe. Maybe there are people who really do believe that Joe Biden beat Trump. I I, I really like Frank Luntz, the pollster, because uh, I, I trust him. I, I really do. He was he always polls undecided voters, and it seems like he's giving you the, the, the straight shot, the, the legit reaction, because it's not this overly biased. Everybody hates Trump. Trump's awful. No, it goes back and forth. But he mentioned that the ethics questions on Hunter Biden just weren't landing with people because they don't care. The climate change stuff, a lot of these issues, people want to know about the economy, their jobs, their health care. They want to know if I'm going to have a job next year. The economy is falling apart. So I'll tell you why I believe Trump truly won first. It may be that people just don't like Donald Trump and the guy's got a mouth. And I, I tell you this, man, if you're a Trump supporter, you, you you might not understand it. But yeah, Trump just has that. He's like nails on a chalkboard to a lot of people. Maybe maybe because of that, they see Joe Biden. Come on, man. You know, and, and, and they like it. But in terms of earning voters and winning swing states, now, nah, I think it goes to Donald Trump. You ask a regular person who won the debate and they're going to say, I liked Biden. And that's good. That's good for Biden. And that's fair. But you ask someone uh, who follows the news, and I'll tell you this, 
Trump loses on personability, on personality. But I'm telling you right now, man, in my opinion, people in Pennsylvania right now are sweating bullets. Some of these people may have already voted. Imagine this. You're in Texas. You voted early. You're like, you know what? I just I'm going to vote for Biden. I'm going to go do it. And then all of a sudden, Joe Biden on that stage says, yes, we will transition off of oil. Well, well my, my, that's my job. Immediately, like, what do I do? I already voted. He just said it. He said in the last debate he wasn't going to do this. And then I voted. And, and, and there it is. I'm sure there are a lot of people who voted already. And they're like, oh, no, what have I done? And I think that's partly why they wanted early voting. And that's why Joe Biden has been hiding in his basement. They want as many people to vote as possible on hating Trump and not have and not have Joe Biden actually come out and admit it. In terms of jobs and the lockdowns, Trump said, no, we have to reopen. We have to reopen. And they were like, people are going to die and people have died. And Trump's like, we have to reopen. And I'll tell you this, man, don't underestimate the selfishness of a human being. Now, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm not saying that humans are evil. I'm just saying it is inherent within all of us to fight for survival. And right now you've got people suffering. Suicides are up. Depression is way up. People don't know where they're getting their food from, their paychecks. They've lost their jobs. And Trump said, we cannot stay closed. We can't do it. We have to reopen. Well, what about COVID? What about COVID? I tell you this, Joe Biden said something that was a huge mistake. He said, many of you are sitting there and there's somebody missing from your table. Joe, who are you talking to? Listen, 220 or so thousand people have died, and that's horrifying. I mean, that's a ridiculously large number. That's 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 horrifying. What people don't seem to understand is that we don't know what would have happened if different things were done. So you can say that's too many people. It is too many people, but maybe it would have been more. Trump's argument is it would have been more, and Biden's argument it would have been less. I don't know. It's a stupid argument. But I tell you this, the amount of people who have lost someone to COVID relative to the amount of voters is astronomically small. I'm not saying that to disrespect anybody. If you, if you know somebody who, uh, if you lost someone to COVID, then you have my, my, my condolences. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear, man. I, I think it's a, a serious issue. And I'm, I think Trump has done his best. Even Anthony Fauci was praising him early on. But I tell you this, Joe Biden wasn't actually talking to people in that capacity. Let's do this. Let, let, let me read you about this oil thing because the media is coming to his defense. And then I'm going to, um, I'm going to annoy you. Yes. You see, at one point in the debate, Donald Trump said they're kids, kids who are separated from their parents because they're brought here by coyotes. Excuse me. And coyote means human smuggler. These are people who are paid. They call themselves the coyotes or coyotes. Blue check Twitter. Leftist Twitter was lit up by these arrogant and ignorant people all saying, what? How can a coyote bring a baby? What? And someone actually put sort a picture of like a baby riding on a coyote. Listen, if you're ignorant, I'm not going to be mean to you. I, there are a lot of things I don't know, and I get things wrong all the time. But if you're ignorant and arrogant, I am going to drag you through the mud. It is better to keep your mouth shut and appear stupid than to open it and remove all doubt. If you don't know what he means, Google it. Now, these people vote. I'm going to show you all these tweets. It's it's horrifying that these people vote. But first, fossil fuels. Trump asks, will you remember that, Texas, as Biden vows transition from oil? Now, I think they're being fair here. I think they're being a little too fair to Biden, a little nicer to Biden. Trump said, let me read it. Biden was asked about climate change 
uh, and and well, Trump pushed him with an off the cuff question about the oil industry. I would transition from the oil industry. Yes, that's a big statement. Trump chided the former president. Host Kristen Welker asked Biden why he would do that, because the oil industry pollutes significantly. It has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. Trump blasted Biden's statement, saying he'd essentially vowed to destroy the oil industry. That's maybe the biggest statement in terms of business. What he is saying is he is going to destroy the oil industry. Will you remember that, Texas? Will you remember that Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, Ohio? I can't believe it. I kid you not. That was near the end of the debate. And it was like watching Thor, you know, at that moment in in Avengers, just dropping the hammer and like everything explodes. I know that the left hates my Marvel references, but I like them. I it was like Trump dropping the hammer. Joe Biden walked right into it. Now, check this out. Conservatives pounce on Biden's desire to move away from oil. Oh, they're so desperate to protect this man. The former vice president said he would stop giving the industry federal subsidies to the consternation of President Donald Trump and his supporters. This is I got I got to tell you, man, this article right here exemplifies why I believe Donald Trump will win. Donald Trump and his supporters, the union worker in Pennsylvania who is undecided and doesn't care all that much about politics is not a Trump supporter who is going, oh, gum, Joe Biden in the oil industry. It's a regular guy with kids who is sitting there, you know, having a beer, eating some chips with his family, and they're watching the debate. And then Joe Biden said he'd end the oil industry. And he went, oh, geez, whoa, I'm voting for Trump. And I'm sure there was a debate about it. There are regular people in this country who are not politically active, who just want to know, will I have a job when all is said and done? And Biden said, no, no. Check this out. The media doesn't understand That people in this country like their jobs and we are energy independent and we are better off now than we were four years ago. If Trump loses, wow. You know, I I said it earlier, but maybe it won't entirely be his fault, to be fair. I mean, he's got personality issues for sure, but the media has been lined up a storm. Check this out. They don't even want to, they don't don't want to show you Trump's question because Trump's question was the most important part. They say, uh, quote, I would transition from the oil industry. Yes, Biden said. There's a big statement. Donald Trump said, would you shut down? I'm paraphrasing, but he said, would you shut down the oil industry? Joe Biden said, I would transition from the oil industry. Yes. When asked, would you end the oil industry? Yes. Okay. America, I hope you are hearing this. We are about a week and a half from the election. 50 million people have already voted. It may be too late, but please, if you if you if you think this is important information and you and you think I do a good job, share this video and subscribe. But let people know what's happening. They want to mention that Biden has called climate change an existential threat to the country. We know Joe Biden wants to end. He has said it over and over again. The Trump campaign put out a video of Biden saying it over and over and over again. After the debate, Biden clarified he didn't want to end the fossil fuel industry, but rather get rid of subsidies for fossil fuels. Spare me your defense of this man. They are trying desperately to pick up the pieces. I'm telling you this, man. When Joe Biden said this and and Kristen Welker, she goes, why would you do that? It didn't sound like she was saying, why would you end the oil industry? Because she would have said, no, but no, but why would you end the oil industry? Why would you transition? It wasn't. No, why would you do that? You could almost someone tweeted this to me. You could almost hear the face palm. Oh, I heard it. I was like, no, I can't believe it. When, when Joe Biden said that my jaw dropped. I, I, that, that's that got to be it. Pennsylvania landslide Trump. Are you kidding me? 
uh, all of these other uh, countries, I'm sorry, uh, 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 counties, districts, states, all of these other places are going to just, I, I, I have to imagine the, the union workers and all of these, all of these different jurisdictions just went for Trump when he said this. Let me show you a bunch of these tweets. So this, this is the video from the Daily Caller. I, I was going to play it. I'm not going to play it because I think you get the point. But Donald Trump put out this video as per your request. Now, this is fascinating because, uh, because I think most of us, Joe Biden said, I, uh, uh, I, I, I have never said I oppose fracking. Trump said, you said it on tape. And then he says, play the tape, show, show the tape, put it on your website. So Trump did. And it is 50 seconds, about 35 to 40 seconds of him saying, we're going to work out fossil fuels. We're going to ban fossil fuels. We're going to ban fracking. We're going to ban fracking across this country. What about say stopping fracking? Yes. And stopping the pipeline. Yes, exactly. That's right. No new fracking. That's Joe Biden. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to show you the polls, but I want to start with this fact check because I love it. PolitiFact says, Trump said they spied on my campaign. False. Multiple independent investigations, including a series of bipartisan Senate reports, found no political influence over the FBI investigation of Russian influence in the 2016 election. What does that have to do with the statement? You see, this is the trick they do. The first statement from Trump, they spied on my campaign, is is absolutely true. Yes, they spied on his campaign. They literally spied on his campaign. Like Joe Biden unmasked the name of Michael Flynn because he was spying on Michael Flynn. And what? It's all a fact. What they do is the second part has nothing to do with the first. Trump didn't say there was a partisan effort from the Democrats to disrupt me. No, he said they spied on my campaign. That's true. Okay. What does the other section of that fact check have to do with anything? That's the trick. So it's, it's in a non sequitur. So here are the polls. All right. Here are the polls. New poll on who won tonight's date from YouGov. Biden up 19, 54 to 35. CNN, Biden plus 14. And data progress, Biden plus 11. Hey, consider it, man. People might just vote based on whether they liked someone. That seems to be the reality. And Trump is, is far from likable. So the polls are showing Biden has won. I just don't agree because I think there's going to be a lot of people in, say, Pennsylvania who are like, wow, I hate Trump, but Joe Biden's going to end the oil industry. So uh, Joe Biden just lost like every union, probably. U.S. Pol- political polls say, based on our snap poll of 772 likely voters who watch the debate, 52% say Joe Biden won. I don't buy it. I, I just don't. There were periods where Joe was was unable to speak. And I'm, I'm watching it. I'm like, if you're watching these two guys and you see spry Trump and you see, you know, blabbering, incoherent Joe Biden, Joe looks out of it, man. Not to mention his answers were trash. Political polls says Joe Biden won. A 9% said it was a tie, but all of these polls show a similar result. Now, CNN, who won? Joe Biden, 53%. Donald Trump, 39%. And look at this shocked face. I love it. Here's the best part. Fox News. What do you think Fox News said? Your voice, your nation. Who won the debate? Trump, 74%. Biden, 24%. Now, listen, I don't know if these polls are real. I don't know what polls to believe, but I'll tell you, Tucker Carlson on Fox News has the highest rated cable TV news program, cable news program in history. These other channels have big viewership as well. I think the Fox uh, viewership are the people who probably pay attention, the people who probably follow the news. And they saw Joe Biden stutter and stammer. But I'll tell you this, it's two different realities. It really is. I don't think uh, the polls matter all that much. All that matters is that people are going to go out and vote and they're going out and voting now. So we'll see who wins. 
My friends, I would like to bring to you the the biggest challenge in running a, a democratic institution. What do you do when you have a massive population of morons that are extremely influential that are going to drive you off a cliff? I'll give you an example. Let's say you're uh, driving a car and uh, you're, you're head, you, you see a cliff about a mile up the road. It's like in the distance, you're like, oh, that's a cliff. I'm going to push the brakes down. And you get someone like David Hogg or these blue check leftists going, no, 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 you got to drive. You got to push the gas. And then everyone, everyone in the back starts laughing. All these leftists are laughing like you're so dumb. Push the brakes down. We're driving, dude. This guy's so stupid. And they all vote to push the gas down. And you're like, but there's a cliff. And they're like, you're so dumb, dude. We're driving. Duh. Use the gas to drive. And then they all vote to slam the gas down. And you go, boom, right off the cliff. And you're all dead. David Hogg. Oh, David. David, use Google. It would have saved you. David Hogg, you may be familiar, is one of the kids from Parkland. And he has a million followers. Now, David Hogg is particularly ignorant. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful. He's a young guy and he doesn't know what he's talking about. The problem is he's a young guy who doesn't know what he's talking about with a massive platform. And everyone knows he looks like an idiot now. How embarrassing. I, I, I can only assume he'll come to regret this stuff. He said, imagine calling the immigrant parents that bring their children to the United States for a better life. Coyotes. The level of xenophobia is sickening. A coyote is a human smuggler. They are people that are hired to traffic. Now, I know a lot of people on the right like to call them human traffickers, but the colloquial understanding of trafficking is usually when someone's taken against their will. The coyotes are hired to take kids and people and find the best route to smuggle them into the country. It is an extremely dangerous and, and, and dirty, underhanded uh, thing to do. I'll put it that way. I'm not going to call it a job, I guess. But these are people who are smuggling humans. And, and often the people die. So when they smuggle a kid across the border, how do you reunite that kid with their, with their parents? The left won't tell you this because they're just trying to seize power or they're too dumb. But how do you prove a child and a parent are related? You have an adult and you have a kid. Well, that kid said uh, that person's my parent, so we'll just put them together. You don't know it. And so they try to figure out how to actually get it done. But no, David, you have no idea what you're talking about. And this tweet is horrifyingly embarrassing. But if you thought that was it, I'd like to show you this tweet from Sophia Narwitz. Tonight on blue checkmark Twitter, they don't know what coyotes are. This isn't even half of all I found. Siraj A. Hashmi, I hope your list writing hand isn't sore. Those that aren't familiar, Siraj has a thing called the list of, I think it's the list of people who should have their phones taken away. Here we go. Check it out. Lexa Doig, please explain children are bought here by coyotes to me. I'm certain that's not literal. I respect that tweet. I really, really do. Lexa didn't know and she asked a legitimate question. There's no reason to drag her for saying that. She, she even said, I'm certain that's not literal. And then someone probably responded, it means uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a colloquial term, a slang term for the smugglers. Oh, interesting. My respect to her for asking. That's a smart thing. Coyotes? What does it mean? Children brought here by coyotes. Children are brought by coyotes. Coyotes? Coyotes? Look at them all. They're confused. What? Oh, my word. What are children being brought here by coyotes, you loon? Children brought by coyotes, of course. Did he just say children are brought here by coyotes? What does it even mean? Use Google. Is it so hard for these people? Now imagine these people who don't know what a coyote is didn't do a single Google search. Imagine them writing news articles 
and they have. And I'll show you one. Children are brought here by Cody's WTF Donald Trump. Wow. My friends, did you catch the point last night where Joe Biden called Donald Trump Abraham Lincoln? I was so confused by what Biden was doing with this. I mean, I, I wish I could get to every point of, of the debate, but he was like, Abraham Lincoln was the most racist president we've ever had. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? The dude signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, I understand in historical context. Oh, yeah. Abraham Lincoln was racist. He definitely was. But uh, pretty woke for his day, I'd say. Right. I was confused at first. And then I'm like, is he calling Donald Trump Lincoln? That's a compliment. <laughs> and then Trump was like, what, wait, wait, what was that? You, Lincoln? And Biden was like, oh, you called yourself Lincoln. He's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Joe Biden. Wow. I had to bring that up just because I, 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 was, I just realized I really should have mentioned that in the beginning. But uh, look at this. Y'all laughing, but dude dead serious. He's dead serious and prepared these responses unreal. Imagine being this stupid. I thought I was tripping when I heard that. Kids came over on coyotes. Am I missing something? It's called Google. Look at this. Someone actually posted a photo. You can't really see it, but there is a baby riding a coyote. My, my word. These people vote. My friends, these people vote. What do we, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? I don't know. I don't know. Let me show you something. Let me, let me, let me go to uh, my Twitter and I'll show you this right here. Imagine having an audience and voter base so ignorant but arrogant that you have to write this article. Quote, better to remain silent and be thought of a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. I give you an article from Vox from December 21st, 2018. Does Trump think there are actual coyotes coming over the border? Smuggler, coyotes are a problem at the border, not dogs. It breaks my heart and it scares me. These people who watched that debate, who said Donald Trump lost, many of them probably don't know what a coyote is. And they're probably going, oh, Trump is so dumb. Well, that's Trump's fault for not saying the word smuggler and saying the word coyote. Now, to be fair, Trump should have realized a lot of people don't know what a coyote is in reference to smuggling. But I guess Trump get, it just has a little bit more faith in the American people than Joe Biden does. Vox had to write this almost two years ago because their audience doesn't know and doesn't know how to use Google. Simple Google search. And then imagine all of these blue checks writing articles and they don't do any fact checking and they have no idea what they're talking about, man. So I look, I think Donald Trump crushed it. I really, really do in so many ways. And I think whether these people say that Donald Trump won or didn't win, Trump won voters that night. Last night, Trump won voters. He did. And I think he won Pennsylvania with that. That's that's nuts. But I'm going to give a shout out to Kristen Welker. Uh, uh, and, and this article, she talks about the talk. I've, I've got a couple more things to mention, but I want to give a shout out to her because I think she did a really good job. She pressed on Joe Biden. It wasn't perfect, but man, was she infinitely better than Chris Wallace. Now, she did a good job. Far from perfect. But uh, I, I really do think Chris, uh, Kristen Welker did a great job moderating and uh, on keeping control of things. It was it was it really was impressive. And she pressed Biden on a few things she could have done better. But, you know, she did. She does have ties to the Democratic Party. I've criticized her for this and the debates themselves. But ultimately, I think uh, Trump was able to to shine last night. Uh, I think he did really, really well. Far from perfect himself. I want to mention a couple more things. We'll go a little bit long. Welker raises question about the talk. 
this one I took issue with. The talk is uh, supposedly this racial thing where black families tell their kids, here's how you got to act around cops because, you know, bad things might happen. It's not a it's not a racial thing. Tons of people on Twitter who are white are like, I got the talk, too. I got the talk. Maybe it's because I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I assumed the talk was a normal thing. It was when you were stopped by a cop, sir, ma'am, radio off, hands on the wheel, keys in the dash. Don't go to the glove box. Cops are edgy. You know, they might they could shoot you. I was told all of that. Maybe the reason I wasn't getting hassled or arrested or whatever is just because I got the talk and I considered it, I guess. I always thought it was kind of a class issue. You know, if you're driving a Lambo and you're wearing a suit, you got a lot less to worry about because of the way cops are going to profile you. But I, I, so with that being said, it's my final thought on, on, on all of this stuff, whatever, just a passive thing. But I will mention this warning flare. New swing state data shows massive Democratic uh, early vote lead. In a worrisome sign for Republicans, Democrats are also turning out more low frequency and newly registered voters than the GOP for now. But it is a warning sign. There's no reason Republicans can't be voting early. This isn't mail-in voting. This is early voting. Trump may lose. Republicans may lose. You better you better be paying attention. You better share content like this if you want Trump and the Republicans to win. Early voting is in person. It is not mail-in voting. And the Democrats are winning. 538 says Republicans are going to turn out en masse on election day. So we will see. And then mail-in ballots that come in after election day will likely lean, will, will either be neutral or lean Republican. We don't know what's going to happen. But I think Trump just won Pennsylvania. And I got to say, after that debate performance, I think Trump is going to win. I do. I guess we'll see. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. It's getting spicy for Joe Biden in the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, which is now basically the Joe Biden laptop scandal because documents and texts that have been released implicate Joe Biden himself. Now, last night at the debate, Joe Biden said, I have not taken a penny from foreign money in my entire life, which I find hilarious because the accusation is that you're using your family as an intermediary. So technically, that was the truth assuming that all of this stuff is correct. And we have a corroborating witness. A man named Tony Bobolinsky came out yesterday and gave a press conference. Now, there's a lot of weird goings on, but the big breaking news, the FBI has asked Tony Bobolinsky for an interview this morning, which my understanding is will postpone the Senate hearing that they were going to have with this man. There is something really interesting in a text message that was released that apparently shows that it's on the Russian MTS network. Now, I'm not entirely sure if that means anything, but all of a sudden the left is saying that proves it's a Russian disinformation campaign. Ha <laughs> ha, we've won. Well, it actually doesn't prove anything. We don't know why that would be the case, where the photo was taken, why it says MTS Russia. The dude could have been in Russia, but I'm sorry, man. Listen, right now we have a human being who is on the emails saying, yo, Joe Biden is the big guy, is the chairman. That's him. He was signing off on these deals. And that's that. Perhaps there is a personal reason this Tony Bobulinski lie. Uh, Tony Bobulinski guy would lie or stretch the truth. Seems like from these text messages, they kind of ripped the guy off. And I wonder if that's what he's really upset about. But it doesn't matter if he's upset or not. You cut somebody out of the deal. Don't be surprised when they turn around and say, yo, look what I got. Let's read the, uh, the story, and then we'll go through what, what's going on right now. This is big. I mean, the FBI interviewing this guy could be bad news for the Biden family. From the post-millennial breaking, FBI asks Hunter Biden's ex-business associate, Tony Bobulinski, for an interview this morning. They say, well, I mean, that's the gist of the story, to be completely honest. 
Yesterday, we saw Bobulinski. Now, here's some, some really important context. I kind of glossed over this in the story the other day, and I want to make sure I highlight this. Check it out. They say, yesterday, Bobulinski appeared in front of cameras before the second presidential debate, where he confirmed Joe Biden's involvement in a secret China deal for a $5 million forgivable loan. I'm going to stop you right there. Forgivable loan with no interest. They're straight giving this dude cash money. Come on. Forgivable loan, no interest. That's it. We're giving you $5 million. Now, for tax purposes, how do you give someone money without having to be taxed as income? I'm not entirely sure if this loophole would work. Maybe. But typically, my understanding is when you get a loan, you don't pay taxes on it. I don't know. I could be wrong. That could be the reason they did it. They're going to say in a 2017 email from top officials with the Chinese energy firm CEFC, it details an agreement in which the firm gave the $5 million non-secured for forgivable loan to the Bidens. It's according to a uh, Breitbart interview with Bob Alinsky. And we've, ac- uh, we've actually seen a lot of these documents. The Daily Caller reported it on this as well. Now, I want to I highlight one thing before we go to the next bit, which is I believe this will delay the, the Senate hearing. 2017. We're already hearing the leftists say it was well after he left office. Nothing wrong with that. First of all, I don't want a president beholden to a Chinese loan. Okay, that could be true for Trump as well. It's a problem for both of them. However, there's a big difference between Donald Trump having mortgages in a bank account. Maybe in China, Trump says he closed the account. Maybe it's still there. It's still bad if that's the case. And Joe Biden's family, which were doing an influence investment. According to Bob Yulinsky, he was saying these these investments were not about a legitimate business arrangement. It was about them buying influence. I do not want you got Joe Biden, whose kid is got problems, to say the least. And these are serious concerns. Now, the bigger problem is the lies. Are you going to tell me that Tony Bob Yulinsky, a Navy veteran, is lying and working for the Russians? I don't buy it, dude. Come on. You show me this text message. People are pointing out that it says MTS Russia or whatever. Yeah, interesting. But guess what? Sometimes people go to Russia. I don't know. It's not enough. I'm sorry. If you want to get me past the literal guy testifying, uh, well, not yet, but soon. Speaking to the FBI, this is serious. Now, I want to warn all of you. We all watched what happened with Russiagate and how they got roped through all this stuff. The witnesses are coming out. The walls are closing in. That's why I made the joke on Twitter. But I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the leftists don't understand the jokes. Look, I'm saying this could end up being uh, a nothing burger. It could. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is right now we do have some incriminating evidence. It could turn out to be not. Uh, some, look, information may come out showing that it was all just people fighting and accusing each other of things with no real hard evidence. But I think already what we have is pretty damning. I'm just saying it might not go any further than this. So don't expect a perp walk or anything. From the examiner, FBI asks Hunter Biden business partner Tony Bobulinski for interviews, GOP senator says, quote, I appreciate that the FBI has a job to do, and I'm glad they are finally taking an interest in uh, these concerning financial matters that our committees have been investigating for months. That's from Ron Johnson. I expect that Mr. Bobulinski will speak with our committee as soon as possible and fully share his insight into the Biden family business dealings. Johnson's committee also released a statement on Friday saying, this morning, lawyers for Tony Bobulinski informed the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee and Senate Finance Committee that the FBI asked his client to sit for an interview today, in addition to providing copies of his phones. Consequently, the interview scheduled for this morning has been postponed. Mr. Bobulinski has agreed to honor his commitment to sit for an interview in the future with the committees. 
newly released text messages from Bobulinski suggest that Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden met with Bobulinski, Hunter Biden, and James Biden in 2017. At the time, Hunter and his associates were pursuing a potentially lucrative deal with a Chinese tycoon, complimenting claims from the former vice president that he never discussed business dealings with, uh, with his son. Now, I want to point out, man, show me the evidence. Prove it to me. And I think we do have some interesting evidence. The only issue, how much of it may turn out to be bunk, right? Let's be real. We got this laptop. The FBI has it. The email chains have been confirmed by multiple sources, someone on the email chain, but it may be Bobulinski himself. And let me just give you a warning. If Bobulinski was cut out of the deal because he said they went behind my back and made millions from the Chinese, I'm going to give you my personal opinion. No disrespect to Mr. Bobulinski. I think it takes tremendous guts to come out and do what he did. But, uh, you know, I don't trust people. And it kind of sounds like maybe they went behind your back, made some money, and you were all too willing to play ball with this up until you realized they were using you and cutting you out. Then you said, you know what? I'm burning it down. So maybe he's got a grudge. I'm not saying it makes any of it false. I think there's a lot here. But I try to be careful. You know, I try to be careful. Check it out. We got this story. Quote, I met Joe Biden for an hour to talk about his family business in China and have three phones to prove what he knew, claims Hunter Biden. It's not a quote. Hunter's former business partner just before presidential debate. This is crazy. Now, there's a lot of important stuff in here that I want, I want to get to because there are people that are essentially trying to debunk all of this right now. First, these text messages. What I'm showing on the screen for those listening are some images. James Gillier says, ask if they have recommendation or I would do it short term if needed. But maybe he feels better if H puts their friend, puts there a friend with no power, but reporting com, uh, comms. Don't mention Joe being involved. It's only when you are face to face. I know you know that, but they are paranoid. OK, they should be paranoid about things for real. Talk to Jim briefly, blah, blah, blah. These text messages coming from some kind of Blackberry with a cracked screen. People have pointed out has I, be, I believe it's a, a, a Russian uh, network. And I'll read through this first. Jackie Heinrich of Fox News says something interesting. She is a national correspondent and three times Emmy Award winning reporter. She tweeted, I completed searching all of Tony Bobulinski's emails. They established the chairman is China. No role for Joe Biden in the emails docs. Tony Bobulinski states himself, there are no other members besides Hunter, Jim and Rob Hunter and Jim Biden, Rob Walker, James Gillier and Bobulinski. Someone responded, can you tell Ben Shapiro and Timcast and the rest of the clan? Well, she did when she tweeted it and it got retweeted by several people. Also, when you tagged me in it, Ben Shapiro, my understanding is uh, he retweeted that from her. I find that to be particularly irresponsible to do on Ben's part without having actually done a hard fact check. But if he just wants to show people that there's more information and here's a claim from somebody, that's totally fine. My immediate response was actually just to show this tweet from Arthur Schwartz when he said, you sure you're about all the documents? Because it's a screenshot of a text that says, no, when he said his chairman, he was talking about his dad. And I think your dismissal of it may, may uh, maybe offended him a bit, but you didn't know what he was talking about. So so let's let's let it go until the morning if we can. Many people immediately said, you got it wrong. Look at this. The Biden army, the fake Hunter Biden texts were photographed on a phone connected to MTS, a Russian mobile phone operator. MTS only operates in Russia. Are you are you are you kidding? Are you serious? So this is a text message that I'm not I'm not really interested in, in reading through. And it says MTS R U S L T E up top. 
Does that mean this whole thing is Russian disinformation? Are you kidding? People sometimes go to Russia. And I'll tell you this. Interesting, for sure. But if the DNI, FBI and DOJ concur, it's not a Russian disinformation campaign and they have the laptop, then sorry, just because someone was using a Russian SIM card at some point doesn't prove anything to me. I'm sorry, it doesn't. More importantly, when they mention the chairman, the interesting thing is Bob Alinsky himself. Here we go. He also said what he had told the media outlets that, quote, Hunter often referred to his father as the big guy or my chairman. Language that appears in emails that appear to discuss percentage breakdowns for a business deal with a Chinese energy firm, as laid out in a May 2017 email. In one of these emails, it says 10 held by H for the big guy. Who's the big guy? Is it Joe Biden? This witness is saying it is. This guy is on the emails. This guy is involved in this. You don't get to do years of Russia gate with no evidence and nothing but lies and then tell me I can't come out with this. I entertained the rush again. I said every time showed the evidence or I should say the lack thereof, the pseudo evidence they were putting out and it was bunk. Now we have this. I'm going to. Well, so so this guy gives a press conference and uh, I should probably read through this, but um, maybe. uh, okay, let's 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 read through a bit of the story about this guy's press conference. I want to show you this image. President Donald Trump has invited Hunter Biden's former business partner, Tony Bobulinski, to be his debate guest. That was really interesting. This guy's a veteran. You want to tell me he's a liar? By all means, impugn his honor. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to call him a liar. Joe Biden, I'm going to call a liar. I mean, Joe Biden's lie. He lies all the time. He lied about fracking. Come on. He's like, I, I never said I opposed fracking. Cue the video of him saying it over and over and over again. So the, uh, this guy, Tony, gave a press conference yesterday. He said he, said he had three phones and he was going to be co- uh, providing copies of them. He said he was angry with Hunter after he wanted to use funds for a prospective deal with a Chinese energy company. Uh, I'm sorry. He said he was angry with Hunter after Hunter wanted to use phones for a prospective deal with a Chinese energy company as his personal piggy bank. Quote, I will be providing to the FBI the devices which contain the evidence corroborating what I have said. So I will not be taking any questions at this time, he told reporters who make up President Donald Trump's traveling press pool. It was really interesting when he said that because then he kind of just stood there and it was really funny because someone goes, so are you not taking questions? He goes, I will not be taking questions. And and then the journalist goes, well, we're going to ask him anyway. (laughs) It was kind of funny. Like, and then he just walks off. He said, I have heard Joe Biden say he's never discussed the business with Hunter. This is false. I have firsthand knowledge about this because I directly dealt with the Biden family, including Joe Biden, said Bobby Linsky. I was told this past Sunday by somebody who was also involved in the matter that if I went public with this information, I would bury all of us, man, the Bidens included. I have no wish to bury anyone. He described what he said was a May 2nd, 2017 meeting with Joe Biden to discuss a business venture involving China that would invest in infrastructure, real estate, and technology in the United States. Now, in this tweet, Jackie Heinrich says, the chairman is China and no role for Biden. Tony Bobulinski states there are no other members. Okay, let's explain this. For one, maybe she's right. Maybe Tony Bobulinski has got an ax to grind. And so he's just saying this. Now, there is a text message. That says, you know, he's talking about his dad when he says his chairman that corroborates what Tony Bobulinski said. Listen, maybe this turns out to be some grand conspiratorial hoax, but I do not err on the side of conspiracies. I err on the side of Occam's razor. The simple solution tends to be the correct one. 
This guy says it. We have text messages. There are emails. The DNI, the DOJ, and the FBI said not Russian disinformation. The only logical conclusion that I can come up to based on the information at hand is that it's legitimate. So please, what else would you have me do? Jackie Heinrich, I believe, is incorrect. We have a witness saying the chairman is, in fact, uh, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Biden and a text. So I discount that. No role for Joe Biden in the emails docs. Makes sense considering he's using his son and brother as intermediaries. He wouldn't have a role in these companies other than I'm the boss. I'm the big guy. I'm the chairman. You give me a cut. Capiche? Tony Bobulinski states there were no other members. Yes. That's why the email said 10 held by H for the big guy because the big guy wasn't a member. Get it? And there's this one from Paul Beckett. He says, an ex-business partner of Hunter Biden said he consulted his father about a planned venture with a Chinese oil company. Joe Biden denied any involvement in this venture and corporate records reviewed by the journal show no role for him. Now, I called the guy Columbo, maybe a little mean, because what he's saying is actually fine. We looked at the records. It doesn't show any, uh, uh, you know, any role for Joe Biden. I think it's kind of silly to point out, though, as I just stated. I said Joe Biden was using his family as intermediaries to enrich himself off his position as VP. And for some reason, we just can't find records with his name on it. Good work, Columbo. You remember Columbo, that old show, the detective guy? Anyway, listen, Joe Biden presumably was doing all of this while he was VP. According to this, this is the craziest thing, the, re- the craziest revelation from this guy, Bob Alinsky, is he said he was approached in 2015. That's right. 2015. He was approached for this. Joe Biden was vice president. Joe Biden was the big guy in the chair and all that jazz. I think Joe Biden's crooked, man. You know, I think Donald Trump is crooked, but I think he's crooked in a very specific kind of way, an opinion kind of way. Let me explain. I think Donald Trump does things that are normal business goings on that regular people probably frown upon. To me, I would say crooked, right? Stories uh, about, you know, Trump not paying his contractors or, you know, you know, just using loopholes. Now, when I say crooked, I got to admit, it's me being, uh, you know, not a fan of Donald Trump. I'm sure there are many Trump supporters who would say that's legal, normal business. Everyone does it. Therefore, they're fine with it. That's fine. Me personally, I think we need certain regulations and need new laws. But anyway, my point is, I've never been the biggest fan of Donald Trump, and all of you know this. But I look at what Donald Trump does with his real estate company as things we probably are not fans of, but are legally allowed. What Joe Biden was doing was bordering on treason. I'm not kidding. I know a lot of you might be saying, whoa, Tim, treason. Listen, China is an adversary of ours. I say bordering on, we are not at the point of war with China. So it's not literally treason in any capacity. But Joe Biden was trying to enrich himself off of a deal that would have benefited China. And that's something that we should not uh, allow. He was the vice president at the time. And think about what was going on with Ukraine. Joe Biden sold out this country for power. I know, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's Russian, all that stuff. Maybe, 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 maybe a lot of conspiracies. But if we have a guy, look at this guy in the uniform. Come on, tell me that guy's lying. He's making it up. Tell me he works for Russia. Sorry, I can't do it. Joe Biden's a politician who's been here for 47 years, and he made himself rich somehow. Trump brought it up at the debate. He says, I don't know how you did it. 47 years in office, and you're living really well. Your brother made millions in Iraq. 
Yes, that's right. Biden Inc. Lucrative deals for the Biden family. But Joe was 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 the uh, uh, Joe was the iron fist. Here's how it works. Joe Biden gets into office and now he can't do anything because he's a public he's a public servant. So he can't take these deals. His brother can. His son can. And then when he goes and has a have, has a meeting and he looks at the Ukrainian president and says, look, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Money that wasn't his dangling in front of the face of the, of, of Ukraine. Fire the prosecutor. And there's his son on the board of a company who should not have been on the board of. Hunter Biden even said he probably wouldn't have even got the job if one for his name. The Biden family has made themselves extremely wealthy. I want you to think about what $83,000 per month is. Per month. How much, how much are you making right now? A couple grand? If you're, if you're, I mean, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Some people making nothing. You got a good middle class job, you make a couple grand. $83,000. Dude could buy a Tesla every month and still have 20 grand per month left over. Okay, okay, fine. Taxes, right. So after taxes, he had what, 45 or 50? So he could buy a lower end Tesla, I guess. That's a lot of money, dude. 83 grand is more than the average person makes in a year in this country. What was Hunter Biden doing? Listen, man, the whole thing is crooked. We're at a point where it is absolutely absurd that Hunter Biden was getting this job, that his brother was making millions. Now that Joe has been implicated by a witness with emails. Are you kidding me? And they say it's all fake. (laughs) It's all Russia. Aaron Maté tweeted. That Biden can call the Hunter story Russian disinformation speaks to his confidence in the media acting as a propaganda apparatus. All a journalist would have to ask him is, are the emails real or not? He's counting on them not even rising to that minimal journalistic level. Glenn Greenwald said this is key. It's stunning. Biden hasn't even had to say if the emails are authentic. But there's a reason. Journalists don't want him to answer because then they'll lose their key excuse for not covering it, not verified, and their main defense of Biden, disinformation. We don't have news in this country anymore, my friends. I'm sorry, we don't. We have propaganda. We have political activists that want to win for their tribe. Why? That's what Twitter is. Twitter is one of the worst things to ever befall journalism. And it's funny because I say the opposite. I was that guy on the ground and I was tweeting things out saying I can get this information out in real time with Twitter. It's great. Now it's created an opinion feedback loop where journalists have become activists and want to win. All politics is right now is owning the other side. That's it. For me, I'll tell you, look, I'm pretty biased. I'm sick of the establishment. And so that kind of aligns me with many, many conservatives. But you'll often see in many of my segments, I'm not sitting here talking about conservative tax policy or pro-life versus pro-choice. I'm talking about the Democrats and the establishment and their corruption and the problems they, you know, uh, and the things they're doing. That's my bias. For many other people, it just works for them because they're conservative and they like it. But I'll tell you this. There will come a period when my I start talking about corruption on the other side and it'll end up with the right not liking me. So I'm just going to do my thing. And that's it. For many of these other people, though, they like Internet blood sports debates. Debate me, you know, because uh, this whole that, that whole idea is just wanting to own the other side. Journalists have become this. They don't they, they don't want to report on this because they want to win. They want to win. I have no problem whatsoever showing you this text message that says MTS Russia. 
a text message going around purporting to be of of uh, from from the from the d- database and it shows MTS Russia. We can see look at this crack. See the line here, the line here, and the line here, BlackBerry. Okay. Look at this. Same cracks appear on this phone. So it looks at the phone as the same. Maybe these texts are fake. Okay, that's fine. I got no problem bringing that up. I'm not here to own anybody. I'm trying to understand this to the best of my ability. And the best of my ability says Occam's razor suggests it's legit. It's legit. Biden Inc. Read the article from Politico magazine. We'll see what the FBI finds. And maybe it turns out to be a big nothing burger. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast, my other channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Last night during the debate, I saw an interesting tweet from Rob George, who is an opinion writer for Bloomberg. He said, if Trump's strategy was to appeal to black men by roughing up Biden on crime bill and criminal justice reform, he may have been successful. I found it very interesting because I agree and because Rob George is not an overtly pro-Trump guy. To see many to see people responding to him saying, I think you're right. One says, I thought Trump crushed Biden on the race question is really interesting coming from many people who are usually anti-Trump saying right now that Trump did better or Trump was actually appealing to young black men better than Biden was. That's really fascinating. But more importantly, Trump needs only a tiny fraction, a small percentage of the black vote to win. He could lose all the progressive, whiny, you know, white liberal journalists in the world if he can make up for it with Latino voters and black voters. He needs, I believe it's something between like three and five percent from each demographic. And he wins easily, hands down. In fact, if Trump can swing, I think it's like double digits among the black vote. Like Illinois might actually turn red. I don't think Illinois is ever going to turn red. But check this out. First, I want to show you the story from the Washington Examiner. Under Trump, black prison rate lowest in 31 years. Hispanics down 24 percent. America's America's imprisonment rate has dropped to its lowest level since 1995, led by a dive in the percentage of blacks and Hispanics sent to jail during the Trump administration, according to a new Justice Department tally. I think this is really important. I think Trump should pardon nonviolent drug offenders. I think weed should be legal, decriminalized, whatever you want to call it. And I think Trump should do it now. I don't think he's going to, because that's usually just a you know, pie in the sky wish. Everyone's always like, come on, why won't these presidents do it? Apparently Colorado's doing it. Apparently Joe Biden's got some plan for, it's like pardoning nonviolent drug offenders. Let me show you some polls though. Rasmussen reports. Morning reader data points. National daily black likely voter job approval for POTUS, October 19th to the 23rd of 2020. On Monday, 25%. Really good. Tuesday was 24. Still really good. Wednesday was 31. Thursday was 37. Friday morning, 46%. I think Rob George was right. I think when Trump brought up what Joe Biden did, people in the black community heard that. They know what Joe Biden meant. I wonder how many people, you know, when I see, uh, uh, you know, Candace Owens, for instance, or the Hodge twins, when I see politically active uh, uh, black personalities talking about how they've been taken for granted for too long, I have to wonder, are we going to see a surge of Trump voting black Americans this time around? And I feel like the answer is yes. It's really strange to me because we're seeing these stories that say Trump is losing white voters, but gaining Latino and black voters. I'm like, That's a really good thing. Like, 
Trump is here for America, I guess. And who are these white people who don't like Trump? The ones calling him racist. How insane is that? So I think the easiest way to explain it, to break down what's going on, comes from Charlemagne the God. I understand why black voters are drawn to Trump. The reason I'm telling you all this, the reason this segment is important, is that Trump may have won the election with last night's debate very simply by saying he will work to help black America more than anyone else. And Joe Biden called Trump Abraham Lincoln. What? I, 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 didn't, I didn't quite get the joke. He was like, Abraham Lincoln over here. Abraham Lincoln here is the most racist president we ever had. And I was like, OK, were you calling Trump Abraham Lincoln or saying Abraham Lincoln was racist? Because both of those are really bad. OK, OK, I, I get it. For his time, Abraham Lincoln was actually fairly woke. By today's standards, he's pretty racist. He's a pretty racist guy. Here's what Charlemagne says. Check it out. The Breakfast Club co-host Charlemagne the God said some young black voters support President Trump because the Republican nominee courts them. The radio host who said he is voting for Kamala Harris instead of Joe Biden. That's amazing, by the way, was asked by CNN's Don Lemon on Tuesday what he and other black voters want from the two candidates. He said they want to be heard. When it comes to black people, you see who maybe are showing support for Trump. I think it's because Trump is actually talking to young black male voters. He's directing ads toward them. They are a group that never get courted, he said. Black people don't get courted either as a whole. But that old democratic regime speaks to old black men. And they think everybody else in the black community and black families are going to fall in line. Trump is targeting young black males in promos and marketing. It works, Charlemagne said. I'm, I'm really inspired by that. For all Trump's faults, and I, man, I wish he could just learn to chill out. You know what I mean? He's doing something I never thought possible. I, I never thought likely. He's actually trying to speak to all Americans. The craziest thing to me is that it seems like Republicans don't bother talking to black voters because they feel like they won't win them over, which is, in my opinion, pathetic and gross. I, I, I had Billy Prempe. Uh, you check him out if you haven't. He's, he's running in North Jersey. And he is a black man, Republican. And he was, and, and I think we both sort of came to this conclusion, him probably before me, because that's why he's running. But you've got to try and talk to people. You can't just give up and say, what's the point of actually trying to represent the American people? Trump's not doing that. Trump was like, we're going to, we're going to make ads for, for black Americans and we're going to, you know, do our best. And they call him racist. Nah. I think Charlemagne makes, Charlemagne makes a really, really good point. And he's voting for, for, Kamala, not Biden. Lemon asked Charlemagne if having uh, if having Harris as a running mate will attract black voters to the Democratic ticket. He said, absolutely. I mean, when we were pushing for Joe Biden to pick a black woman as his VP senator, uh, as his VP, Senator Harris was who I had in mind. And I'm voting for Kamala Harris. I'll tell you that in a heartbeat. I'm not necessarily voting for Joe Biden, he said. Now, with respect to Charlemagne, I think he's a really good dude. I think he's a smart guy. I disagree. Uh, far be it for me to tell you who, you know, who would represent the black community better. When it comes to Kamala Harris, I feel she is too much of an authoritarian. I feel like she's eager to just drop people in prison. And I know I talk about law and order. I talk about how these riots are bad. There's a difference between saying that guy threw a Molotov, lock him up, and that person smoking pot, lock him up. I think nonviolent drug offenders should be pardoned, cut loose, records expunged, no longer felons. Welcome back. That's what I think. I think Kamala Harris is just a plastic candidate. And I don't care 
about her race. I don't. I don't think she's going to be a good candidate simply because of her race. Now, far be it for me to tell somebody in the black community how to feel or how to vote. I'll leave it at that. I just think, you know, in the in the end, ideas matter. But I'd be willing. I w- I'd be willing to hear a legitimate argument. I'm not uh, accusing Charlemagne of voting for her simply because she's black. But he does mention that's a reason. He says they wanted a black woman candidate. Charlemagne called Harris a politically a political change agent who can lead the country into the future. Because I'm going to be honest with you, Don. I'm just so tired of like old white male leadership in politics. Now, listen, I understand this sentiment. I do. And a lot of conservatives need to understand that as well. I don't like the stereotype. Like, look, you can't compare Joe Biden to, say, Ron Paul. Ron Paul, a man of principle and integrity, even if you disagree with some of his positions. Seriously, the guy's got ethics, integrity and principle in spades. Joe Biden, on the other hand, is a career crony politician who probably just says whatever he needs to say to get elected. So just because they're old white men doesn't mean they're the same thing. I understand that frustration. But what you're really saying, my, my friend, it's not about an old white man. It's about crooked establishment politics. And Kamala Harris is the same thing. She's she's she may as well be an old white. dude. <laughs> like I don't think identity matters all that much. To be fair, identity matters. I'm not a fan of authoritarian identity politics in, in, in a certain sense. I'm not a fan of like negative. It's hard to explain. But a lot of people are like Tim Poole complains about identity politics, but then turn, you know, talks about it because he's mixed race or whatever. It's like, no, what I'm telling you is. I don't like segregation. I don't like racism. And I don't like judging people uh, as, a, as in their job based on their race. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to look at Kamala and be like, she's going to do a great job because no, no, not, not at all. I look at her and say she locked people up. <laughs> That's it. I think she's nasty. I think she's bad. Joe Biden is crooked. And I think Ron Paul's great. Uh, I disagree with Ron Paul on a lot, but I like Rand Paul. He's not as old. That's why I didn't use him as an, as an example. But I don't, I don't care who you are. If you got good policies, if you're honest, if I believe in you, I'll vote for you. I think Trump's got a lot of problems. And man, is his character just not there. But these peace agreements, man, I've been saying it over and over. We just got another one. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Let's read a little bit more. The polling site 538 found that young black voters look at Trump differently than the older population of African-Americans. It said that while 35% of 18 to 29-year-old black men don't agree with his policies, they like his strong manner and defiance of the political establishment. I mean, I like that, too. So, you know, here, here. It was in an interview with Charlemagne, whose real name is Larry uh, McKelvey, in May that Biden said started a firestorm when he said that African-American voters who don't support him ain't black. As the interview was concluding, Biden asked the host if he had any more questions and then added, well, I'll tell you what, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black. And Charlemagne said, no, like we want real answers. Mad respect to Charlemagne. Uh, Charlemagne's a smart guy. He's a good dude. I just disagree on the identity issue. I do understand, though. I I totally get it. A lot of people feel like, you know, even though Ron Paul might be a good guy, he can't really understand what your life was like growing up in a specific community. I think diversity in its in its natural, it's like legit definition is a good thing. And that's supposed to be diversity of opinion and perspective. Initially, when we said the reason why we want some black leadership, some female leadership for diversity wasn't because we wanted to line people up and compare how tall they were, or the color of their skin. It was because a woman has a different experience from a man. And we want to make sure that we're doing right by everybody. It's been perverted. And now it's like these people doing quotas just to count how many people, uh, you know, fit a certain color. And it's all ideologically homogenous. There's no diversity there. So again, I understand that sentiment. But regardless, 
While Charlemagne's not going to be voting for Trump, a lot of young black men are, and that may change the game. Trump needs only a few percentage points from the black vote to win. He can lose a bunch of white voters, but the black community is the, they have this power right now. That's why I think both sides are so desperate to court the black vote. For once, it seems they're not being taken for granted. I mean, probably still by the Democrats, but Donald Trump, I think is, is legit trying. I really do. I don't think Democrats are. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. And there goes Tim Poole talking about civil war again. This time it's because a Silicon Valley tech CEO sent out a mass email to their customers telling them that if they don't support Joe Biden, there will be civil war and a vote that is anything other than Joe Biden was selfish and wrong. And people are really mad about this. You know, I saw this story. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I didn't really care all that much until I got several emails from people who are customers from Expensify, who said they were kind of upset and offended that they were sent this political message because they're not supposed to be receiving this kind of stuff. If you sign up for a service that's like, we mow your lawn, and then one day they email you saying, if you don't vote for, for Biden, there's going to be a civil war. You, so I'd, I'd imagine people would be angry about that, unless, of course, you support Joe Biden. I got several emails from people, and I thought it was interesting. These are people who work for companies that use this service. I don't even know what Expensify is. So why is a tech CEO in Silicon Valley telling people they have to vote for Joe Biden guilting them? And why is his company doing this? Well, according to the CEO, he said, we held a meeting where we all talked about it, created a slack and everyone agreed. No, they didn't. They're scared of you. It's cancel culture. If I stand up and say no, I'll lose my job. I'll be it'll, I'll, I'll be retaliated against. Protocol reports. Expensifies CEO explains how he made the decision to tell all his customers to vote for Biden. It's easy to justify standing aside, he said. This is a genuine effort just to make the world a better place using the tools at our disposal. In my opinion, it's a betrayal of your, your customer's privacy. But lo, I give you the email. Expensify, protect democracy, vote Biden from David Barrett. He says, I know you don't want to hear this from me, and I guarantee I don't want to say it. But we are facing an unprecedented attack on the foundations of democracy itself. If you are a U.S. citizen, anything less of a vote for Biden is a vote against democracy. OK, I'm not going to get into every single argument he makes, but he basically says the Republicans have suppressed the vote and Joe Biden is maximizing the vote. Therefore, Trump is evil, blah, blah, blah. He makes several claims about some kind of uh, uh, looming civil war, I guess, I don't, I, I, you know, I got to be honest. I'm not entirely sure I disagree. Here, here's what he says. Barrett's email equated a vote for Trump to an endorsement for voter suppression and the dismantling of democracy. Quote, Expensify depends on a functioning society and economy. Not many expense reports get filed during a civil war, he wrote. As CEO of this business, it's my job to plot a course through any storm. And all evidence suggests that another four or as Trump has hinted, eight or more huh, years, I can't believe he said that, of leadership will damage our democracy to such an extent. I am obligated on behalf of shareholders to take any action I can to avoid it. Are you kidding me? Wow. This company has shareholders that I can only imagine are probably extremely angry. He's going to cost them money with these unhinged comments. He does mention civil war more than once, but they only quote him in this article a couple times. And I'm not going to read through his letter. He says it was a calculated choice. 
While it may be risky, he knew that sending it to more people meant the message would be more effective. This wasn't just me firing off an email out of the blue. This was the result of an inclusive process that really engaged the whole company across a wide range of opinions. And this is a genuine effort just to make the world a better place using the tools at our disposals. This man is a cultist. That's the easiest way to put it. He's a cultist who can't see outside of his bubble. We're going to make the world a better place, bro. These are your customers. They're emailing me. They're telling me they're upset about this and they wanted me to talk about it. They don't like that you're doing this. It's weird. Not everyone is a, is a Biden supporter. This guy, Rick Clow, says, wow, just received an extraordinary email from Expensive Eye CEO D. Barrett. I can't remember ever. I can't remember ever seeing anything even remotely close to it. Katerina Dimitratos, just a user on, uh, on Twitter, says, D. Barrett, how do you deal with board members, employees or colleagues that would disagree with sending a political message? Asking for myself and others that would love to approach this as you have. He said, before sending it, we had a long discussion designed to be as inclusive and respectful as possible. In particular, we made a fact check slack room where anyone can contest a factual claim and argue for or against it. Then a group of top employees votes on our official opinion. Tim Rooney responded, if I worked at Expensify, I'd assume that any disagreement I voiced would be remembered and I would be punished in future comp layoff or promotion discussion. And that's true. Absolutely. Matt says you'd think for a tech company, you'd be able to filter out your users based on country. What, what do you think would happen if the CEO of your company said, I am going to issue a public international statement to all of our customers telling them that if you vote for Donald Trump, you're voting for suppression and civil war and you must vote for Biden. What would happen if you dared to challenge the CEO in that capacity? I can only imagine you would face retaliation. And at any point, if layoffs were to emerge, if something were to happen where somebody had to get the short end of the stick or whatever, then it would be you. You'd be the odd person out. People would not be very, very happy about this. Look at some of the stuff he says. What if Trump gets elected by voter suppression? All, he says, isn't Biden just using more widespread voting to get elected? Of course. I love how that's a loaded question. Isn't Joe Biden just doing the right thing? You're right. He is. Isn't Trump just wrong and evil? You're right. Here's what he says. Why send me this when the polls say Biden is going to win? And here's the point that I think you want to take home. They're scared. The polls said Trump was going to lose last time and he didn't. But even if the, even if the polls can be trusted, that might not that might still not be enough. Trump has stated repeatedly he will only honor an election that he personally feels is fair. So much depending on his personal judgment is worrying because he has rejected the overwhelming expert consensus that voter fraud has been negligible historically and has also said he believes it would be impossible to lose a fair election. What president would be like, well, that election wasn't fair, but I concede. No, we had Bush v. Gore. It went to a suit in 2000. He goes on to say, accordingly, the only way to ensure a peaceful transition of power is to ensure this election is an overwhelming, undeniable landslide in favor of Biden. Any excuse to question the election is an opportunity for Trump to refuse to leave the White House, plunging this country into a constitutional crisis bordering on civil war. No matter how slight that risk may be, the consequences of it happening would be so catastrophic to society and the economy. We need to do all we can to prevent it. Someone said to me, Tim, every every presidential election, they claim it's the end of the world and that America is going to die or collapse or whatever. And it never happens. And I was like, I hear you. Yeah, uh, 2016 wasn't this bad. Uh, 2012 wasn't. 2008 kind of was. And people are like, oh, God, Obama. Eh. 
I think we really are facing serious strife. You know why? If it's true that every four years or every you know presidential cycle, they claim the world's going to end when there's like an incumbent or whatever, then uh, they're, they're really ratcheting, ratcheting up the rhetoric. It's to the point now where they're shrieking civil war in our faces. I, I can't tell you what's going to happen because I, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people are going to want to take my videos and say, ha, Tim said this and Tim says that. I make a lot of videos saying a lot of things. My predictions are fairly weak for the most part. I thought like the day before the midterms in 2018, the Republicans would sweep and I was wrong. And now they're like, that is the only representation of anything you've ever predicted. It's like most of my predictions actually came true. Going to people's houses, riots, race, racialized riots across the country. Yeah. And calls for law and order. I predicted all of that. But no one cares when you get it right. I don't care when you get it wrong. Will there be a civil war? I don't know. Ask this guy. What we're really seeing here and why I think this is important is that Silicon Valley is extremely biased for the left to the point where they would actually use their customers data to send a political message. I, for one, would not be happy with that. But I guess I don't know. I don't I don't I don't I don't see it being illegal, just unethical, but also kind of strange. I don't want my plumber to come to my house and preach Joe Biden or Trump. I want him to fix the toilet. I don't care for this guy or what his company does. He says one final plea. As a fellow citizen, I fully support and respect your constitutional right to disagree. And as an avid supporter of democracy, I value that disagreement. Constructive, well-informed debate, hopefully, hopefully using the most accurate, least biased news sources available. Oh, what did he link to? Is what makes this nation so exceptional. But the Constitution is only as strong as the respect we give it. I'm asking you to cherish it close to your heart and demand that those you elect do the same. And then he goes on to say, agree or disagree, reply to the email. And he, and he says, tweet at him at, at D Barrett. When we talk about Silicon Valley censorship, big tech censorship and big tech bias, they tell us that we're crazy. We're wrong. There's no bias. It's not there. OK, not only are we seeing censorship, but we now have the CEO of a company who has come out and actually emailed all his customers outright saying Trump is suppressing the vote and there will be civil war unless you vote for Joe Biden. Okay, we get it. Silicon Valley, you love the left, you love Joe Biden. Why are you pushing that down our throats? Now listen, I don't care too much for what Expensify is, whatever. Fine. He goes on, they go on to mention this protocol article. They all, they're going to navigate the fallout and all that stuff. Sure. The market will punish him if they see fit. If people like him and Joe Biden wins, well, then he'll be fine, won't he? I don't know what's going to happen. I think the polls are bunk, but I think the polls are going to start flipping as we get closer to the election. And I wonder how much of the media is lying. I think this poor man, he is, he has consumed too much fake news because Trump is certainly not that bad. But I'll tell you this. I disagree with him. And it scares me that there's this much power in Silicon Valley. They control the tech, the, fi the, the, the financial technology, the communications technology. Trump is finally bringing out some peace in the Middle East and withdrawing our troops, something Obama and Biden never did. I think he needs to win for that reason alone. This, the fact that Silicon Valley flexes their muscle to get what they want is scary. I've never been a big fan of people spending unlimited sums to get someone elected. I think money's got to get out of politics. And I think these big tech companies in Silicon Valley need to shut up and back off and leave it to the people. But I'll leave it there. I got one more segment for you in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. You've heard my story. I was a independent, left-leaning individual. The last person I voted for uh, for president was Barack Obama, Democrat. 
didn't vote in 2012 or 16, and now I'll be voting for Donald Trump. I'm not a lifelong Democrat. I'm not a hardcore Democrat, liberal, whatever. I mean, some people might say I am. I'm going to be voting for Donald Trump and the peace agreements really seal that deal for me. But now we're hearing it from a lot of people. I got this article talking about lifelong Democrat, former New York assemblyman explains why he's part of a growing list of newly minted Trump voters. It's really incredible stuff. It's Dove Hickend. I'm probably pronouncing your, your, your name wrong, Dove, but he says, I'm a lifelong Democrat. President Donald Trump didn't get my vote in 2016. He most certainly is in 2020. And I know many others like me. There are two simple reasons why. This uh, BizPack says some of these Democrats barely even care for the president, be it because of his dis- demeanor or conservative policy positions, but they're voting for him anyway. Why? Well, <laughs> quote, uh, uh, let me, okay, in 2016, I did not support for, uh, vote for Trump. I was concerned once he was elected. I said, let me give him an opportunity. Hicken revealed in the clip above. This alone separates him from many in the pack. Following the president's inauguration in early 2017, a large number of Democrats promptly began calling for his impeachment. Donald Trump has been president for about a month, and already a sizable majority of Democrats say he should be impeached, the Washington Post reported on February 24th. Two years later, in 2019, they went ahead and impeached him, after which they began speaking about impeachment impeachment again. (laughs) They really did. It's been like a broken record. Quote, we have to face certain reality about the Democratic Party. The Democrat Party of 2020 is not the Democratic Party that I joined many years ago, Dove said. The values of this country are being destroyed by a small group of people on the radical left who are deciding what you can say, what you believe in, and what's right for everyone. I ask you to vote for our magnificent, wonderful country, and by doing that, you will be voting for Donald Trump. Other lifelong Democrats who are also making the switch feel similarly. Take author, mathematician, and commentator Dr. James Lindsay. In tweets posted Tuesday, he attributed his political about face to the Democrats' embrace of radical ideas. I talked about James. You can follow him on Twitter at Conceptual James. He has been going off on critical race theory, the far left, woke intersectionality, all that stuff. And I agree with James. I got to tell you this, though. These peace agreements, man, Donald Trump signing this deal with Sudan, bro, you got me on board. I'm stoked. I, I, I think Trump must be reelected because I want more of this. I want to see Trump just sign away all these deals, all these countries coming together. Could you imagine what four years of Trump might look like in four more years? There might be rainbows and people of all different creeds and nationalities and colors holding hands and singing songs under a rainbow. And I'm kidding. I don't think it'll be that good, but it's great. So that's it for me. But I do agree with James on the critical race theory stuff, for which I have an update. So let's read. <laughs> James linked to the story saying the American left should work towards abolishing the Constitution. That's the new republic, not some fringe site. The notion of abolishing the Constitution has admittedly only been embraced by the most radical of left wingers. However, the same cannot be said of uh, a set of less shocking but still radical ideas like packing the court. Or how about this? How about Seattle libraries implement racial segregation in the name of social justice. Okay. Can I ask you a question? You know, a lot of people like to say, oh, there goes Tim Pool mentioning that he's mixed race again. Which room would I go in? I, I would like a legitimate answer. Guess what? You can't come up with one. And it, it makes me kind of salty towards these people because it was the progressives that fought so hard for the right of miscegenation, you know, for, for the, the banning of miscegenation laws, loving v. Virginia, c- civil rights and all that. Well, y'all created th- this, this world of mixed race people. And now y'all are trying to segregate those people. To be fair, 
I think a lot of the civil rights advocates did not envision this and didn't want this. But look at Bernie Sanders. He's he's totally on board with critical race theory. He was fighting for civil rights back then. I've experienced this. I don't want to live in that country because I get told I can't go in either room. And I don't fit in with the with the only the people who are white. Not to be honest, look, I'm mostly white. Sure. I'm part Korean and Japanese. And I don't know where that's supposed to put me. Am I not allowed to talk about my experiences with racism because uh, I'm too white? Therein lies the big problem. This reality they're crafting is a horrifying dystopia of, of racism. I'm not all about that. I'm not interested in living that way. So by all means, you want to do that? You go do it somewhere else. I'm not going to do it where, you, where, where you're at. So I tweeted, I didn't vote in 2016. I'm voting Trump now. I agree with James. The Leo Terrell, lifelong Democrat, voting Trump. Abigail Marone tweeted, this retired police officer was a lifelong Democrat until he went to a Trump rally. Now he's voting for President Trump. The silent majority was out there telling us how most Americans really feel about us. But not every disillusioned Democrat has has vowed to vote for Trump yet. Over in Omaha, Nebraska, a well-known Democrat has quit the party because of the, uh, the Nebraska Democratic Party calling the, it was a county attorney and they voted on a resolution saying he was perpetuating white supremacy because he prosecuted a case in a way they didn't like. And this made this lifelong Democrat decide to quit. She said this is about a person who has worked incredibly hard in the community and has been a friend to so many. And that means whites and browns and blacks. This is a fair minded, good man, said former Democrat Mary Barrett. Gallup showed us that as of right now, party affiliation has flipped from 2016 plus five Democrat to plus one Republican. And it's not because Republicans are gaining people. Axios tells us Republicans are closing the registration gap with Democrats, and it's not because they're getting more voters. It's because people are quitting the Democratic Party. Now, I know the Republicans, the right, they call it the Democrat Party. And actually, I understand that because Democratic is something totally different from what Democrat is like. They're Democrats, right? So they call it the Democratic Party, but that makes it sound more fair than it really is. It's unclear how many more straws it might take to convince her to go all the way in joining Trump, uh, join the army of walkaway. Some former never Trumpers have also effectively joined the walkaway army, including Glenn Beck and Ben Shapiro. In a video announcement earlier this week, Shapiro, a staunch traditional conservative who was repelled by Trump's rough demeanor in 2016, boiled down his about face to the fact the Democrat Party has gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I'm sorry, I have to disagree with that. If they went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, that would imply they had a plan. And they were going crazy because they wanted something specific. They don't. They're insane. It's, it's off the rails. In a video, uh, so they've lost their minds. So have members of the mainstream media. So have members of our bureaucracy. So have members of academia. These people must not be allowed the mechanisms of power. I agree with you, Ben. Our most crucial institutions, from corporate America to the universities, they've been corrupted top to bottom, and giving them more power over your lives. Huge mistake. Yes. You thought this was bad, the racial segregation thing? Okay, I'll tell you what. If I'm in Seattle, I can avoid their uh, uh, segregation sessions. Sure. Check this one out. Feminist author. We have to erase men. Lesbian author urges women to eradicate men from their lives, racks up five-star reviews on Amazon, but some argue it's a form of apartheid. Apartheid is the Afrikaans word for segregation. Yes, congratulations. You found out what they're doing. I worked for Vice. You, you, you know Vice. And I remember this one point where this, this friend of mine started talking about the scum manifesto. 
And the Scum Manifesto talks about like castrating babies and eradicating men from existence and just really like insane things. And I was like, you're, are you being serious with this? Like you're really like taking this seriously. And then she was like, I don't know. And I'm like, dude, this is insane stuff you're talking about. Just hating people. And I told her to her face. I was like, you're, I think you're a bigot. And it didn't matter. Because the left has immunized themselves from understanding that they have become the very thing they claim to be fighting. They're projecting. Alice Coffin, who was a lesbian activist and Paris City Councilor, has penned a book. Feminist author argues women should eliminate men from their minds. She no longer listens to music, reads books, or watches films made by men. That is a whole new level of insane. There was an article I recently saw from, uh, I think Helen Pluckrose wrote it. Um, I believe so. And she argued that we should all be voting for Biden because Trump will only exacerbate the culture war. I humbly and respectfully disagree, Helen. I believe that voting for the far left will tell them, hey, you know all those things that you're doing? That works. My response was, I don't see how voting for you know the violence and extremists will end it. It'll all make it worse. It'll embolden them. And she said, I agree. I'm not saying to vote for Antifa. Please tell me the difference, because I've actually talked to some Antifa who are pro Biden, not because they like Biden, because they've said it is easier to overthrow a a doddering old man than a fascist because they're going to press Biden and Biden's already giving in. It's working. That's why he won't denounce them. So, no, I disagree. I won't vote for Joe Biden. But I'll tell you what, man. Aren't there other things here? Peace, Sudan, Bahrain, UAE. It's so amazing how many people only focus on these very, very core issues. And I'll tell you this, critical race theory stuff is, is one of my top issues. But foreign policy is probably my, my top, top issue because I care about the future of this planet and I don't like war and conflict. I have, I have seen civil unrest. I have not been in active war, but I've been in situations with civil unrest and active gunfire. And I've been shot at several times and I've gone through all the trainings for this stuff. It's not fun. I can't imagine the, the journalists who have actually been in full on full scale war. It's, it's dramatically different, way worse. But I don't like any of it. So we can talk about we got to vote for Biden because, you know, Trump will make the culture war worse. And I'm like, Joe Biden's going to get us in more war. So I'll take more culture war if that's the case. I'm not the only one. A lot of Democrats, a lot of leftists, a lot of liberals saying enough. But will it be enough for Trump to win? I guess we'll see. Thanks for hanging out. I will see you all tomorrow in the next segment at 10 a.m.